The reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 13, and can be found on page 3 of the Bibles in front of you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land. And the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening... And there was morning the third day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's ask uh, for God's help as we begin. Father, we just sung of our desire and our praise uh, for you. And we pray, Father, as we think on this passage and this reality that you speak, you would uh, encourage our hearts to desire you more. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we often talk, don't we, about the essentials for life, things like food, water, clothing, shelter. But there's something that actually is essential, but we don't often talk about it, and that is words. See, we need words, we need voices around us to survive. Think of a child growing up, they hear the voice of their parents, and then the voice of their teachers, and then they move on from the voice of the parents or teachers onto the voice of their pop star or band, as in in my case. But as adults, that whole process of listening to voices doesn't stop, does it? Because as adults, we need to hear voices around us. It's very lonely to go through life without hearing from others. And so lots of us get the voices of our friends and family. A lot of us listen to the opinions of others as we make big choices. And I guess lots of us will trawl things like um, Twitter, uh, coming up with opinions of ourselves, uh, opinions of different issues. And of course, as we think about those voices and their importance, we know, don't we, that they're hugely influential. See, for a child, 
actually what is said to them really matters, and what is not said to them really matters. And actually the words that adults hear can change the world. Uh, They can start wars, they can lead to action. And I'm sure lots of us will know that sense where words have been said to us and they've either changed us massively for the good or for the worse. So it really matters then, doesn't it, who we listen to. It's not just the food, the water, the shelter we need. We need the right voices around us. And of course, as Christians, we talk, don't we, about God's voice being central. Philip's already introduced our service, hasn't he? And he's talked about the fact that we gather around God's Word. That we talk about the Bible as God's Word. But the question is, why do we do that? Why do we listen to this voice above all others? And maybe you're here looking into the Christian faith, you're not quite sure what you believe yet, and you think to yourself, why would I listen to this book that's written so many centuries ago in a world so different from our own? Why would I listen to this? Well, that's what we're going to be thinking about over the next few weeks as we think through God's Word and what it means. So we're going to look over the next few weeks at this idea that God speaks in the Scriptures, and we're right to call it God's Word. But more than that, I want us to have our hearts moved to see why it's a joy that God really speaks. And that's where we're going to start this morning as we look at this first chapter in Genesis chapter 1. I want us to see this morning, I wonder if you could pop these up, David, that God speaks. Secondly, that God speaks powerfully. And thirdly, that God speaks with authority. So the first idea we see here is that God speaks. Um, You'll notice that in the reading. Uh, If you've closed it, do open it back up. And you'll see in verse 3, that we read, and God said, let there be light. And in verse 6, we read, and God said, let there be be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. And verse 9, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. And verse 11, then God said, I could go on, but you get the message, don't you, that God spoke, and it was so, and we're going to come on to that in a moment. Now, I guess you're thinking to yourself, why is that so, um, why bring that out? It's so familiar to us. We know this passage so well, lots of us, and we know that God spoke. But actually, even though it's familiar, it is actually remarkable that God speaks. I was reading, I don't know quite where the story comes from, and I don't know if it's true, but there was a story about a, a rabbi, so a Jewish teacher who never moved on beyond Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, because as soon as he came across those words, God speaks, or God said, he was so astounded and so moved that he couldn't go on. And I guess for lots of us, that we just sort of read past those words, I know I do, and God said, yeah, we get the message, and God said, and God said, but it's not automatic that God would speak. He could have created a universe without speaking. He could be silent. But he isn't. He speaks. And this isn't just a kind of one-off at the start of the universe. He actually speaks to us. Look at verse 28 over the page, uh, chapter 1, verse 28. 
See, here God creates the first man and first woman, and here's what he said to them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And in verse 29, notice what it says, then God said, I give every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. See, here's God speaking to the first man and first woman in words they can understand. See, God is able to speak, and we have the capacity to understand him. See, God, we see here, quite clearly, right at the start of the Bible, is not silent. He is the creator, but he is also, first and foremost, a speaker. He has words. He has a voice. See, it seems to be our kind of default assumption in our culture that God kind of hasn't spoken. Uh, Lots of people believe there's a God, but actually, it's our job to kind of guess what he's like. And so all of us find we're in a kind of game of kind of guess who, guessing what God's like. Is he one God or many gods? Is he an angry God or is he a loving God? Is he um, a God who cares about a world or a God who doesn't? And we kind of guess and guess and lots of us have our different views and I guess the church has their particular views and everyone else has their uh, verdict on things. But actually this is a game changer, isn't it? As soon as you see this, that God speaks, well, then he has a voice. And we're not caught in this kind of endless game of guess who, because actually God has shown what he's like. Now, there's been a kind of recent trend in our culture, I think largely positive, to hear people's voices, Uh, particularly those voices of people who would otherwise be marginalized. Uh, people who face kind of prejudice, and so we don't hear those voices. And, and there's been a big move to actually listen to the people who would otherwise not be heard. But for all that positive move, I wonder how much we've moved to hear God's voice. How much as a culture we let him speak as he wants to speak. Now, of course, we, we might say to ourselves that, well, God doesn't speak quite like other people. And of course, I don't think Genesis 1 is saying God's got vocal cords and you know, speaks exactly like us. But of course, we know that people speak in lots of different ways. There's sign language. People speak through the written word. So just because God's voice isn't kind of audible as we um, go out into our everyday life doesn't mean that we cannot listen to him. See, here's how the Bible starts. In the beginning, God created, but in the beginning, God spoke, and God speaks. See, God has a voice, but maybe we ask ourselves a question, why listen to this voice? I mean, I've got lots of voices around me. I've got Twitter. uh, I've got my friends. I've got the opinion pieces in the newspaper. Why listen to this voice over the others? Well, secondly, we see here that God speaks powerfully. See, we're not just told about the speech, but we're told what follows. Have a look at verse 3 again. It says, um, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And verse 9, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let the dry ground appear, and it was so. Verse 15, 
Let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. See, you get the impression, don't you, that God speaks and things happen. Now, it's not like some sort of magic here that God kind of is able to use his words and they suddenly uh, change in reality about them. We also see that God makes. So in verse 7, we read that God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And we read in verse 21 that God created the great creatures of the sea and every living, uh, living and moving thing with which the water teems. But notice what it says at the end of verse 7. It also says, and it was so. And so in other words, God is doing the making here, but actually his words are doing the making as well. See, God's words are so powerful, they're equated with his act of creation. So it can say in several places that God speaks, and it was so. See, some people's words are hugely powerful, aren't they? In um, 1962, on September the 12th, um, John F. Kennedy gave a speech at Rice University Stadium. And you may remember in that speech that he said, we choose to go to the moon. It's a great speech to listen to. And seven years later, what happened? Well, Neil Armstrong placed his foot on the moon. That's not Neil Armstrong. (laughs) Or take this next guy who does want to place his foot on the moon, Elon Musk. Uh, I read that actually he changed his Twitter profile to hashtag Bitcoin. And do you know what happened? As soon as he did that, the Bitcoin market rose by 20%. I mean, billions and billions of pounds. See, some people's words are very, very powerful. My words, by contrast, are not. I mean, the the most powerful my words get is when I'm talking to Alexa to turn the lights on, and um, that normally takes three or four attempts. (laughs) But God's words here are not like our words. See, when he speaks, things happen. It was impressive thinking that John F. K. said what he did and the moon landing happened seven years later, but this happens on the scale of a cosmos. See, when God spoke, the cosmos was created. I'm, I read that the, the cosmos is, is, I mean, everyone's guessing, 93 billion light years across. I mean, come and correct me afterwards if you think there's one or two miles uh, difference. Uh, Someone was reminded me just before this service that the um, James Webb telescope has opened up and the biggest that uh, that won't be able to observe anywhere near the size of the universe, as impressive as it is. And yet all that is created, all those stars we see in the sky, the sun, the planets, the earth we plant our feet on, were created by a word. Here's what God says in Isaiah 55 about his words. He says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. 
See, just as any bit of water falls to the ground and causes plants to grow, well, God says, my word does not return to me empty. When God speaks, things happen. It's not like Alexa where you speak and nothing, you get no response. God, every single time, he speaks and cosmoses come into being. Now, what an encouragement this is for us listening to God's voice, because I guess for a lot of us as Christians, we, we think to ourselves, well, I, I do believe God sometimes, but sometimes it feels so difficult. And, and what if God kind of may have said something, but somehow reality changes, or somehow he changes his mind later? And we struggle to believe. But God doesn't speak an empty word. See, when God speaks, things happen. It always has been. It always will be. And so when Jesus from the cross says, it is finished, those words are absolutely true and never change. Or when God promises that whoever trusts in him, the Lord Jesus, will never be put to shame well, not one letter of that, those words will ever fail to accomplish what has been said. But of course, as, well, as much as that's good news, there is also the challenge there. There's a bit of a sting in the tail, isn't there? Because if these words are this powerful, well, we ignore them at our peril. I mean, some words really matter, don't they? If you walked out this building, you saw a bench, and it had the sign, wet paint on it, um, all of us will touch it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but if we do, we're going to get paint on our hands. Or worse, on a, you know, if we sit on it, we get a new color on our clothing. Uh, I mean, some more serious words uh, have more serious consequences. If someone came in this building and shouted, fire, get out everyone, and we ignored those words, well, actually, that could be quite dangerous. And the same is true here that actually God is so powerful that when he speaks words, well, to go against those words or to ignore them, well, is at our peril. Jesus says some very chilling things in John chapter 12 uh, to the crowd that for chapters now has rejected him. He says, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them on the last day. You hear what Jesus is saying? My words will condemn them because they haven't believed my words. See, these words are so powerful that actually they can be our judge as well as our encouragement. See, when we come to the Bible, I don't know how you think when we approach it, but I know when I wake up in the morning and I think, oh, I've got to read my Bible and I'm bleary-eyed and get a coffee and try and sort of resurrect myself before reading Scripture. But I'm not always thinking this is God's powerful Word. Or when I gather on a Sunday, to my shame, I sometimes feel very, I approach this Word very lightly. But actually, this is the word from the creator that cannot fail. I heard another story. I think it's from my previous church. Apologies if it's someone here, but I'm getting old now. I can't remember half of where these stories come from. But someone used to talk about their Bible as carrying explosive goods. 
And so when they were stopped by the police, they would say, oh, I'm carrying explosive goods, and they're now in prison. But, um, <laughs> but you get the point, don't you? This is actually a hugely powerful word. This isn't just a book. It isn't just some opinions about God. It is words from our creator. So we can see why we should listen to God's word, but more importantly, why, or sorry, thirdly, why should we want to listen to God's words? Well, thirdly, and finally, we see here that God speaks with authority. See, notice um, every time something happens in this passage that we're given a kind of verdict. So in verse 4, we read that God saw that the light was good. And in verse 10, we saw that God called the dry ground land and gathered the seas he called seas, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And verse 12, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And over the page, verse 28, uh, verse 31 rather, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Now, ask yourself the question at this point, how does God know it is good? How does God know it's good? I mean, there's not a kind of law on what's good and bad at this point. It's just nothing and God. And it's not like there's a kind of blueprint of a universe out there that we can kind of hold up against this one. And God's sort of able to say, well, actually, this matches the blueprint, uh, and so it must be good. Now, to be good at this point is to reflect God himself. See, when God says the light was good, he doesn't mean that there's a kind of great amount of lumens out there and he's, you know, achieved a lot, uh, but it means that actually it reflects who he is. It accords with the God who made it. See, imagine someone drew a portrait of you. How would you know it's good? Well, it reflects who you are, what you look like, or something about your character. And so God doesn't just kind of speak here because that's a kind of convenient way to make a universe. He doesn't just speak here to kind of uh, bring about um, the cosmos because that's the kind of way things work. But he speaks here to show us what is good, to show us what is like him. See, part of... um, I, I kind of still belong to a kind of young generation, I guess. And, and one of the things I've noticed growing up is just how committed my friends and people in that generation are to kind of injustice and to fighting for what's good. I'm sure every generation's done their bit, but uh, my friends are very convicted on fighting for the rights and, um, of, of those who wouldn't otherwise experience rights. But the question that I feel is never asked, or at least is not properly explained, is what is good? See, you can be very passionate about fighting for the rights of someone, but without understanding what might be good for them or what might be good for the world, it's very difficult, isn't it? It's very difficult to not descend into a game of kind of who shouts loudest. But actually, we tell what is good by looking at what God says what he says about this world. See, he has created this world 
and he has created it to be good, and he has told us what good looks like. Now, maybe we say to ourselves, well, what right has he got to say what's good? Isn't that kind of another game of who shouts loudest? But remember, he's created this universe. He put every star in the sky. He put every cell in your body. And so when he tells us what is good, he knows because he made it. See, it helps us, doesn't it, when we find his words difficult. Uh, Being a Christian is a huge joy. I wouldn't change it for anything. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to trust Jesus' words on things that are very um, central to me. See, sometimes it's hard to trust Jesus' words on things like relationships for people. Sometimes it's hard to trust God's words on making big life decisions and putting my priorities in a different place to everyone around me. But actually, we see that God knows what is right. When he speaks, his words are only good. And it also helps us, doesn't it, to show us the joy of listening to these words. See, when God speaks, he speaks good and he speaks truthfully. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it increasingly hard in our world to trust what is being said to me. It's hard, isn't it, to know what someone is saying, whether that's the truth, and not only whether it's the truth, but are they telling me the truth or a particular parts of the truth to bring about their own agenda? But actually, we have such a contrast in our God because here is one who only speaks truth for our good. See, when we look at the Lord Jesus, we see someone who is not easy always to listen to. He has some very penetrating truths to say about us. But we have someone who says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus will never lie. He'll never speak an unkind, uh, a, a wrong word. But also we see someone in the Lord Jesus who brings about good with his words. He never says an unkind word. He never speaks to tear down. When he says difficult things, it's always to bring the person to know him himself. And these words are hugely powerful. They've got authority. But wonderfully, they bring about life as a result. And we see this in John chapter 5. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Very truly, this is not a lie. Whoever hears my words and believes has eternal life. See, these words are powerful, these words carry authority, and these words are good. Now, as we close, what does this mean for us? Well, I think this says two things. Firstly, about our posture. Um, our posture, whenever coming to God's Word, has to be humility, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but it's very easy to kind of sit above God's Word and to think, I know what it's got to say already. 
And one of the questions I ask myself is, how often can God disagree with me? How often have I learned something new? How often have I had my kind of perception of things changed by God? See, actually, if I believe that God has spoken and his word is powerful and his word is good, well, actually, that should be a regular occasion. I should have the humility to do so. So firstly, our posture. And secondly, our priority. I mean, if God really has spoken, if this world is not sort of drifting along aimlessly, but actually has a creator who has spoken it and brought about its being, well, actually, what a joy to have this word in front of me. Now, I'm not going to beat us all up and say how often have we read the Bible and all that. I'd be very easy to do, but I actually would have to point the finger back here. But it is helpful, isn't it, to remind ourselves of what it is we have in front of us. This isn't just some ideas about God. This isn't just some old book about the human condition. Actually, these are very words from the person who stitched us together, who knows us more than we do, and only speaks truth and good to us. Now, of course, as I believe that, actually, I should want to embrace this word for myself. And of course, as a church, we want to have this word central, uh, not just on a Sunday, but in all what we do. And I know lots of us spend time making sure that word is taught to others, and what an encouragement to think that actually that word doesn't come back empty. And actually, the world around us needs to hear this word. Our world has a shortage of words that are good and powerful and truthful. See, God spoke. God speaks powerfully, and God speaks with authority. Let's pray. Father, please forgive us when we think lightly of you speaking. Forgive us, Father, when we listen to our own voice over yours. And we pray, Father, that you would move our hearts by your Spirit to embrace your word and to see the privilege it is of having you speak to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.